0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Cody Marenzer talks about the new atheism. One body, God's Is it enough that people don't believe in God? One Why body. the attack on anything religious in America? One body, one body, God's Does this sect meet on a regular basis? Let's find out. Here's Cody Morinzer being interviewed by our on-air host, Ken Billinger.
1: We want to uh, welcome in Cody Marinzer in his fifth year of teaching, has sophomore and senior religion at Thomas More Prep Marion High School in Hayes, married to Karen. The couple, are ex- they're expecting their sixth child soon. So when- welcome, Cody, first of all. Thank uh, you. When's uh, When are you expecting? Uh, February 15th. Okay, not too far off. <laughs> well, thanks no. for coming in. This morning, we're going to talk on atheism. Uh, great topic to talk about. First of all, Cody, let's define atheism, if you would.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, the traditional um, definition of atheism would be a disbelief in God or gods, plural. But, you know, even through um, just uh, researching the topic more and looking more into it, um, it it does seem like there are even atheists out there now that are um, trying to challenge that definition. And um, I was really um, curious about about this and kind of, you know, looked like why would they, you know, why would an atheist say that, no, our definition is not just a disbelief in God? And so I was on a website called um, The American Atheist because, you know, you always want to inform yourself of what the other side is Mm -hmm. saying, you know. And and, um, to tell you the truth, I meant to bring in a quote from him, but it was... um, it was just um, very confusing even to read their quote because it, to me it sounded like they were saying it's not a disbelief in God, but it's a disbelief in God. Uh, you know, it was, <laughs> it was just one of those things where I was like, do you realize what you just said in this? And, and I mean, people are free. Feel free to go on there and look for yourself where it says about us. And, and, and I think kind of um, just in my personal uh, opinion, I think probably where that comes from is it, it's kind of like when a kid realizes that um, they get caught in a lie and they want to kind of sugar-coat it or or cover it up or kind of, you know, make another lie to try and make um, the original thing sound maybe not like what it was, but now that you're saying something else, now it's plausible. And I kind of just, like I said, in my opinion, I wonder if that's where it's coming from is um, that there are a lot of atheists out there starting to understand, starting to come to a bit of a realization within themselves that, you know, maybe this isn't such the reasoned approach that we proclaim it to be, but yet um, because I've held this... This. I don't want to proclaim I'm wrong and therefore how else could we
1: word it to make it sound like we're still right right wow you know so very interesting and uh, obviously as faithful Catholics it's difficult to understand if someone can uh, believe there is no God and I, I struggle with that too just because you you can wake up in the morning and see a sunrise and go okay yeah. so um, how can you say there's no God this time of year we just saw fall colors in a lot of parts of the country. And again, I can remember being on a fall foliage trip that we did uh, up into Wisconsin and Michigan a few years ago. And I can remember Patty looking at me saying, I mean, the colors were incredible. And she said, how can you look at this and say there's no God? So it is a very tough thing for us to understand. So what are some of the arguments for atheism and how does Catholicism or Christianity counter those arguments?
2: Okay. Um, Well, first, I I might um, add to to this that um, there, there's this movement called the new atheism, and uh, the new atheism is um, I would say much more of a problem than. What you might call the old atheism. Now, there always have been, there always will be people um, who just um, deny the existence of God, um, and not all atheists are militant people. But the new atheist movement, which um, is you know, kind of headed up by you know um, some of the talking heads of the atheist crowd, that's what it is. It has been changed from um, just a disbelief in God to. Actually, I've got a quote here. I think it's from Trent Horn. He says, What made these atheists new weren't their arguments against religion, but their attitude that religion should be reviled. And so with the new atheists... It's gone f- from, like I said, that point of just, you know, I don't have a belief in God. I, I just don't believe there's a God out there. To, I don't believe there is a God. And by dawn you're going to believe that there's not a God right. by the time I'm done with you. And if not, I'm going to ridicule you. And also, I'm going to do everything I can to scrub this nation of anything religious. And one good example of that is... Um, I don't remember the town it was in, but there was a nativity scene that had been put up in a public park for uh, generations and generations. And um, the the local New Atheist movement that was around that community decided what they would do was they would rent out all of the other little plots around that nativity scene. And then they just put up all kinds of anti-religious stuff, basically making fun of the nativity scene and things like that. And so what ended up happening was that um, the local, uh, their local government uh, came together and said, well, we're just not going to let anybody um, have anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's the approach that a lot of new atheists are taking And like I said, not all atheists are these militant type people, but that's what we're starting to see in the new atheist movement. And so that's where I would start with um, why it's so dangerous. But beyond there, you know, some of the arguments that atheists make, obviously, their very, very first argument that there is no God is something that I think is very, very easily reasoned out of. And w- everything that I've done in looking into atheist arguments, you know, trying to understand where they're coming from, it always brings me back to the very beginning of everything. And I find that um, when it comes to the root of things, the atheist arguments are not reasoned, they're not scientific, and they're actually anti-scientific. And what's really important about that is most of the athe- atheists that I have run into, that I've had conversations with, that obviously don't agree with uh, my Catholic lifestyle or my beliefs in God, they, they have put forth that they are the reasoned ones. Like we people of faith, we're, we're just kind of simpletons. We, uh, mm-hmm. They're above us. They're smarter than us. And, and we just really don't know any better. And therefore, we need to be educated. And then also, they're the ones that put forth in our world this tension between faith and reason, mm-hmm. which, not, which is not actually there. And that's a really big problem. Because if you go back and look into the Catholic faith, you'll see... That um, there is not this tension between science and religion that the world is trying to portray out there. Exactly. Um, faith and reason are upheld together. And I then would start with, okay, when I say that it's not a reasoned argument, when I say that it's anti-scientific, what do I mean? Well, if you take the cosmological argument, I think it's also known as like um, the Kalam argument. Mm -hmm. Basically, what it says is um, uh, we as Catholics, we believe that God created out of nothing, also called creation ex nihilo. And that means that there was nothing. And God didn't need raw materials to create. He simply speaks and stuff comes into being. Well, scientifically, we can look around the world. I mean, we don't, you don't need scientists really even to do this. We can look outside and go, okay, I've never observed a tree creating itself. I've never observed iron ore just popping out of space. You know, all matter that is created has been created. It, it doesn't just create itself. And so that's what we start with is, uh, and that's where I've always asked um, people on um, the atheistic side is, you know, what do you believe then brought matter into existence? Because matter does not create itself. The famous line is nothing comes from nothing. And so, you know, once again, doing my homework on this, looking into it, um, I've, what I've seen is that um, they don't go back to really address that issue. Uh, very often, it goes back to kind of uh, just um, skirting the issue, and they'll say, okay. Um, one of the arguments I saw um, specifically said, well, nothing is not what we call nothing. Nothing is actually quantum foam. And we as Catholics would say, no, I mean, if you want to redefine what you call nothing, you know, you can do that. But when we say nothing, we absolutely mean nothing. Because even if I would say, even if we granted them that position, even if we said, okay, well, let's say that creation started with this quantum foam. We still have to go back to the very beginning of what created that quantum foam. And I always used the um, apple tree example. And, And that is, if you have an apple tree, where did the tree come from? Well, the tree came from a seed. Where did the seed come from? The seed came from an apple. Where did the apple come from? It came from another apple tree. And you do that back, 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 back. And at some point, you can't just have an infinite regression of created things. At some point, you have to get to the very first of everything whether you want to say it's the Big Bang, whether you want to say it's Cosmic Foam, um, whether, whatever you want to say it is, you're gonna have to get to a point where you are now back to something that required something to create it because it is not intelligent and cannot create itself because matter does not do that. How do you answer that? And I have yet to hear anything that would say this is a good reasoned response to that. Like I said, usually
1: they just kind of skirt the issue. Yeah. So, and one of the things I think, and you talk about the new atheism, which is really interesting, because, you know, a lot of, well, uh, there are people that I'm aware of that are atheists who are, they live their life, really, it's interesting because their morals and their values are very good, and they live their life, you would never know, you know, by how they live their lives Mm -hmm. that they didn't have a faith life. Mm -hmm. So, it's interesting when you talk about this new atheism, and it is, that's a little scary, because those atheists the the what we knew as atheism before was just that they were there that was really it and yep. now it sounds like that you know it's kind of like uh, we're building an army of of of, some, of sorts with this new atheism so, Yeah. so we know, in fact, there are well-known atheists out there. I think one of them that you hear a lot from is Richard Dawkins, yep. for example. But let's talk about that a little bit, uh, some of the well-known atheists. Uh, and did we get everything covered on the, that second question, or was um, there some more you wanted to talk well, about? we got might time, just,
2: so go ahead. Okay, great. I might just add that a question that I always would like to pose to any atheist, especially anybody out there listening who has a, a disbelief in God, is, well, first I would go back to that existence of faith and reason, the existence of religion and science, and that there's not that tension there that people actually believe that there is. And then I would say that um, when we look at the scientific field and what science is telling us, the uh, majority of scientists out there are going to say that uh, before creation, there was nothing not that there was this quantum foam you know but that there was nothing and that our universe began at a very specific point and that means before that there was no time and there was no space and and so what going back to that example i gave cosmological argument you know that nothing comes from nothing i always like to ask an atheist then what do you call it when someone believes something that has never been observed and can't be absolutely proven. Obviously, the answer to that is faith. I mean, science, the problem where people go wrong and where atheists who use science to try and disprove God, that's not the role of science. And so they're actually being bad scientists when they're trying to disprove. Now, science is, no, not ever going to be able to prove the existence of God, but it's not going to be able to disprove it either. Mm -hmm. And so when when I asked that question, the reason why I ask it is because atheists who claim that we're kind of simpletons because we have faith, those who say, even though we have never observed matter creating itself, and even though it has not been proven scientifically, I say that it does. That's faith, folks. I mean, there's no difference. We look at, we as Catholics look around the world and we go, we're not a coincidence, we're not an accident. There's a purpose for the universe. There's a purpose for our lives. And that's because there is a divine creator. And I can look around and I can say, if there's a pizza sitting in front of me, it didn't just pop out of nowhere. I know that somebody made it. If there's a painting on the wall, I can look and I can say, that painting just didn't pop out of somewhere. There's a painter somewhere who spent his time painting it. Just like that, I can look out at creation. Like you said, the sunset. I have often said, people who have never seen a Western Kansas the sunset, especially during harvest time, are missing out. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see how you can look at creation, look at a sunset and say, nope, just an accident. And so, I mean, if you don't want to agree with me, you don't have to agree with me. But what I'm going to say is we're both holding our positions on faith. Right. And so, I mean, you can't
1: deny I, that. I think that's an I've never thought of it that way. An excellent point that in in order to hold their their viewpoint that, that it requires faith as well. So very interesting point. Our guest is Cody Marinzer. We are talking on atheism. And uh, we talked a little bit about well-known atheists. I know you're going to share a little on that, I, the one that always just comes to mind. And I just had a, actually a, a diaconate paper uh, that I wrote just just finished up here, and, and uh, I had uh, actually uh, – some of the uh, information from Richard Dawkins uh-huh. and, and what he some of the comments that he made so but share with us um, who are some famous or well-known atheists
2: okay and I would say that um, these ones are the uh, this goes back to the new atheism term that I was talking about in that new atheism m- movement um, and uh, you may have heard of I think the most famous one that you mentioned there was um, Richard Dawkins he's kind of the um, he's the face of the new atheism Sam Harris Richard Dawkins. Christopher Hitchens and uh, Daniel Dennett are pretty much the ones that I, I know of and that I've looked a little bit up on, you know. And it was um, something that uh, I would really like to share on this, you know, when we talk about this new atheism and, and these people who are not just having a disbelief in God, but um, are really trying to get the culture to rid of. All religious emblems, symbols, anything else, you know, trying to rid the culture of all of that stuff. I would say that um, Dawkins is one of those people that is really leading that charge. And uh, just last night, as I was brushing up on some more of this, I, I was watching this It was a call-in, actually, uh, not by Richard Dawkins, but by one of his leading advisors for his local company or whatever it is, a website. Uh, uh, But uh, the guy called in, and he wanted to to debate, I think it was um, Patrick Coffin, Mm -hmm. and I think it was during Catholic Answers. And this is where I want to give anybody out there listening some very practical advice, because this is a very, very common tactic used, especially by these new atheists. And it's called the red herring. What you have to be very, very careful about any time that you get into a discussion with somebody who is and even if it's not on atheism, you want to make sure that you always stay on topic. And I know firsthand because I've been caught in this trap. Many times, and a lot of times you don't even see it coming. But the red herring, uh, the, where the saying comes from, is um, uh, years ago when they used to train bloodhounds. They would take a uh, like a dead smelly fish and drag it across the game trail, and it was supposed to then put scent on the trail to disrail the dog. So when the dogs came across it, you know they would get distracted and, and start following it instead of the game trail. And the purpose was to teach the dogs don't follow that, don't get off track. Well, what Dawkins and many of these other new atheists do, um, and they do quite well, because that's what you have to do when you if you can't reason through how there is creation out of nothing and you've got to come up with excuses or other things. The next thing that you do when you get caught in it, which a lot of people do when they get caught in the corner, you know, it's the fight or flight type thing. There are a lot of times that um, uh, it'll just turn into insults towards you or they'll pull this red herring thing. And so the red herring thing, uh, like I said, going back to what I was watching last night with this interaction with Patrick Coffin and uh, one of uh, Richard Dawkins leading people was um, they kept trying to get him to answer, you know, this type of question, you know, um, where does creation come from? And they kept asking also, why won't Dawkins actually come and debate a serious person who does this because they kept asking him, kept asking him, kept asking him. Well, what this guy immediately did rather than answering the question is is he goes, well, why would we come debate somebody who hates gay people and who holds women down? And if you realize what just happened there, that has nothing to do. First off, it's not true. First off, they're just charges being leveled against you. Mm -hmm. But second it it has nothing to do with the original question and what happens is they derail you so that they can get you off point and then they don't have to answer that original question and if they can do that then very often you get thrown into such a downward spiral of trying to answer this this and then when you even if you give good answers to those things and then all of a sudden they're going, well yeah, but um, y- you know you guys profess that uh, the uh, you guys profess that the Pope can't ever be wrong and I know popes who have done bad things and and once again, what you need to do in that situation, I mean, there's good answers to that. I mean, I mean, the obvious answer is no. We don't profess that the Pope can never be wrong, right? We profess in matters of faith and morals he's guided by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can't be wrong. And therefore, in those matters, like Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, yeah, that's kind of an important one. You can't be wrong on that. But, yeah, he can be wrong in other things, and he is a human being and He does sin, just like the rest of us. That's why he goes to confession, just like the rest of us. But you see what I just did, even in explaining it, I just got completely off topic. And that's what they want you to do. Because what you need to do is always go back and say, like, hey, listen, if that's a subject you want to talk about, we can talk about that. But still, let's go back to... What created the very first thing, whether you believe it's an atom, whether you believe it's quantum foam, whatever it is, what created that? Because all these other side arguments we can have, but you're just trying to derail the issue. And like I said, that's what you have to be very careful with, with these new atheists, especially the very militant ones is they're very, very quick to throw out charges where especially if you're already kind of fired up and you're already kind of heated, you know, um, when they start throwing out those charges, you're probably going to get puffed up pretty quickly and be like, well, that's not even true. And you're going to start fighting, you know, you're going to start arguing. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you um, you get out of it. You feel beat down. You feel defeated. You leave and then you go, wait a minute. We didn't even talk about the real issue. And that's the whole point. And then they can go, especially if they can derail you on an issue where you maybe aren't the most well-versed in it. Well, if they can get you off on one of those and make you look bad like that, well, then, if, especially if you're in front of kids, like, you know, in my classroom or anything like that, or if you're in a setting where you were in some sort of debate, well, if they've done that, then all of the people who are there to watch them just, just think that they won. Mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that you never actually
1: talked about the real issue. Right. Great. So, Boy, that's an excellent point. I think uh, you bring up some very good information there. I think a question some people might ask is, is atheism a religion? And do they have a church and a ritual? And talk about that a little, if you would.
2: That's actually a better question than people out there might be thinking. I think when that question was asked, people are probably like, Uh, duh, no, they're not a religion. They're an anti-religion, or at least they're a non-religion. You know, they just don't believe in God. I've put a lot of um, further thought into this, and I've been speaking with with, uh, Mr. Bill Mayer, a good friend of mine. Um, I know that uh, he's also been speaking with uh, Father Jarrett Conradi. And uh, so we've spoken a little bit with each other about it. Um, I've uh, done a little bit of research. And something that I found that really kind of piqued my interest is there's what was called the Atheist Church. Um, I don't know when it was started, but it wasn't too long ago. But it's called the Sunday Assembly. And I wondered, what in the world is this? And I looked it up, and, and here's what the Sunday Assembly says about itself. This is a quote from their website. They say, the phrase Atheist Church was something we used when starting out. It seemed like a good shorthand phrase to explain what it is and definitely helped us to get press attention, which has been vital in getting Sunday Assembly off the ground. However, we focus not on atheism, but on celebrating life. We actively discourage the use of atheist church as a way to describe the Sunday Assembly, which really kind of goes back to that first point that I made um, at the beginning of the hour when I said that um, the reason why I think that some atheists are trying to kind of redefine what atheism means is because maybe they realize they're kind of getting caught in their reasoning. If you guys paid attention to that, the first part of this said the phrase atheist church was something we used starting out. The last part that they just said, we actively discourage the use of atheist church as a way to describe the Sunday assembly. Well, Which is it? I mean, why would you start first off with that saying, we know this is going to get us a lot of press. Um, This is who we are. This is what we're centered around. But wait, but don't use it. You know, like, come on now. Uh, I mean, I, maybe I'm reading that wrong, but that's no. That, I, I I totally agree with you. That's pretty. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious to me that you can't speak out of. A, you know, it's like talking out of both sides of your mouth exactly. there. You know, and and so I would say, you know, the funny thing is, they uh, if you look more on their website, they say that they're they're not religious. They said we don't do the whole spiritual thing, but we won't judge you if you are and so you know i'm kind of i'm sitting there wondering well what do you do then and you know and they even they pride themselves on um that they they're this uh they get together they sing songs. Um, they have a reading, which says, um, is usually out of like a poetry book. And uh, it, it really amazes me. They also, um, they, uh, also do um, a lot of um, service work, which is great. I, I mean, you know, it's fantastic that people are out there doing that. And that does go to the point that um, not all atheists are just these horrible people, you know, that are down and uh, wanting society to be destroyed. But it does make me wonder why put this together, I think where it comes from is the deep sense th- that we are a religious people and that there is a God. Because, I mean, if, if you take their Sunday assembly, let's a bunch of us um, who don't believe in God, or even if you do believe, you can come, but just don't profess that, you know, why then have something where you're getting all these people together together? And you're trying to, you know, kind of put forth your views when anybody could go to a coffee shop and get together with people. You know anybody can go to a concert, which it says they usually play contemporary music. You know mm-hmm. stuff like that. Anybody can go to a concert, meet up with friends there, meet up with a whole bunch of people. Obviously, you're, if you're at a concert, you're at a bunch of like-minded people. You know that are at the same concert. Anybody could go to a book club and read out of a poetry book. Mm-hmm. And so I found it very interesting that with this new atheist movement, that we do now have this Sunday assembly type church of theirs, where they gathering all these people together and they, like I said, they do say their purpose is to do service and things like that and obviously the service isn't all bad but then once again why this need why this such desire to get together with others mm-hmm. I would say is because God's tugging at you and it's not going to be too long before
1: maybe you have to come to the realization that What are we doing here? Yeah, that's very interesting. I didn't know such a thing existed. So to to hear that, very interesting stuff.
0: We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening on your radio computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know. We'll be right back with more about the new atheism with Cody Marenzer. One body, in God's creation. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One Body, one body Stewarding God's Creation. The New Atheism one with Cody Marincer. One body, one body Stewarding God's Creation. Here's Ken Billinger interviewing Cody.
1: We talked about the fact that is atheism a religion, uh, and and it's interesting that that the Cody's talked about the fact that they are getting together, and it's a it's a Sunday uh, as well, which I think is kind of interesting. Of course, I know that obviously it's going to be sometime on the weekend because most people working during the week, but just still rather interesting. But is the, is a belief in atheism actually growing? What are we seeing the trend look like right now?
2: You know, I think it is. But one of the things that um, goes along with, goes back to the last question, is um, is atheism a religion? Do they have a church? I think it was Trent Horn also once again. By the way, um, Trent Horn, I think, is the one who wrote a uh, great book um, called Answer, Answering Atheism. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good ones out there by Catholic writers. I would just say pick one up and read it. But, um, he said, you know, before... The internet, there were atheists, obviously, but they didn't gather in like this Sunday assembly church that these new atheists are starting up. And the only place that they could really find each other, I think he said, was like in the Nietzsche section at a used bookstore. And he said, with the rise of the internet, the internet has really kind of become atheist church because we as believers have always had somewhere to gather together with like-minded people, you know, and discuss our faith. Um, Now, the Internet is where they're really starting to show up and starting to gather. Now, what do I think is causing that? I think there are a lot of reasons why atheism is, you know, why we're seeing maybe an uprise in it. And I don't think that they spring from, once again, I don't think it springs from um, a good reasoned approach. One thing I would say is, We live in a culture that has adopted many evils that make it a lot easier to accept if there is no God. And so the first point I'm going to make on this would be the difference between objective morality and subjectivism or moral relativism. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that means is objective morality is we as Christians believe there is a God he created and he has set the moral bounds of our existence. A moral relativist who doesn't believe in God, so an atheist, will say that there is no such thing as objective morals. Well, that becomes a very big problem very quickly because you can always reduce that down to if there's no objective moral standard, then why should we follow anything? And usually An atheist will say, well, because it's good for society. Well, what if my view of a good society is different than your view of a good society? And they would say something like, well, yeah, but it's whatever makes society prosper. Well, you know, one of the examples I always use and people are kind of like, well, that's pretty extreme. But it is the honest answer is Hitler wanted to create a perfect society. You know, I think it's a great example because um, we could argue back and forth, you know, whether Hitler was really an atheist or not. I've listened to some of the arguments on that, but certainly he put forth this view of this moral relativism that um, there doesn't have to be these morals that are set for everybody and that um, we can then kind of as we as human beings, we just get to make up our own Morals, And we get to decide what's right and what's wrong. And I've listened to Father Fred um, uh, debate some people on this before. And I've listened to him even talk to a student before. And he used that example. And then he used other examples of like enslavement. You know, um, there were times in this country when owning another person as property was okay. So was it wrong then or is it only wrong now? Because now we have changed our mind as a society. And he told this young man. I remember this very, uh, very clearly. He told this young man. He said, "What happens then if we decide as adults to get together and say that it is now okay to own teenage boys as slaves? Would it be okay or not?" And obviously, you know, the young man was like, "Well, no." But that wouldn't help society, you know. And father was like, "Well, okay, but you say that." But there's all kinds of things we could do to make you guys help us produce our better society, you know, work, things like that. And when it comes down to it, you're just saying, though, that it's left up to our whims. It's left up to either the greatest number of people, whatever they decide is right, or the wave of the culture at the time. Well, the very big problem with that, obviously, folks, is the opinion of the culture changes a lot. And... A person who doesn't believe in objective morals, you might be living in the world today where you're like, oh, yeah, this fits my lifestyle. But the first question I want to ask is what happens when all of a sudden there's a law that doesn't fit your lifestyle and a perfect another perfect example? always goes to the person who doesn't believe in objective morals. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that violence is a good thing I'm, I'm, when I use this um, example, but it makes a perfect point. Um, the first person who screamed, there is no such thing as objective morality. If somebody walked up and punched them in the face, they would not stand there and go, well, I guess because you thought it was okay. They immediately would say, that's wrong. But as soon as you say something is wrong, not just I dislike it or I don't agree with it, as soon as you affix a moral quality that it is wrong objectively or right objectively, then you're speaking about a giver of a law. Then you're speaking of a bar. It's just like if we were to go to the state track meet and we were to watch two people who were high jumping. And they set that bar. The people who get out are the ones who don't clear the bar. Um, The last one to make it over the bar cleanly is the one who wins. We don't go, well, because you all just showed up here, um, we'll just change the bar for some of you. Since one of you is shorter than the other, then that doesn't really equal out. And so we're going to set that since you're four inches shorter than this guy, even though he's at seven foot, we'll set it four inches shorter for you. If you clear it, then we'll just call it that it's the same as him. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. But that's for some reason what moral relativists want to do with morals. And going back to that example, they immediately would call the cops. They would immediately say not just I don't like it, but that it is wrong. Well, where are you getting your idea from, uh, of wrong from? If it's just your opinion and my opinion differs from yours, well, then we can argue till we're blue in the face, but neither of us is going to be right. Or is there something that has set morals from the beginning of time for every man, regardless of what society might be saying? And so I think, you know, that's the first one to this whole debate is since we live in a society that doesn't want to be told, no, this is morally wrong. Regardless of how you feel on it, it doesn't matter about your feelings It's wrong or is right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of where the rise of atheism is coming from. And, you know, that's a really big problem. Yeah, I would say the second thing um, is that um, I also believe that we just have a bunch of people in our society that they just don't care. And I put myself in this category at one point in my life that I really didn't look at um, the reason behind things. Things just were what they were and so be it. And just kind of went along living that way. And that's the problem is that um, I think there are, I would say, atheists by accident. Because I would say that there are a lot of people out there that might say, yeah, I don't believe in God. But I don't think they've ever taken the question and actually applied it. I don't think that they have ever said, Why do I not believe in God? You know, maybe something happened in their life. Um, Maybe they were born in an atheist household. Mm -hmm. um, And maybe they were born in a religious household that just wasn't um, good, didn't follow their faith or did something else. You know, who knows their background? But for some reason, maybe they were just like, you know, they kind of went along with the culture and they just kind of slowly, you know, slipped away if they were Christian at one point or some other faith. And they just kind of like, yeah, I just don't believe in God. But it's a very dangerous path to take. Because if there is a divine creator out there, then that is going to say that uh, there are some things that we really should look into and that we should really pay attention to. I mean, the first and foremost would be our moral life. And so if anybody's listening and you've never really thought about that. I mean, that, that's got to be, that is the biggest question of our lives. And I think we do, as people sometimes, just kind of kick it to the side. And, and, you know, and I think that's where um, a lot of it is also coming from, like I said before, is um, that people have just never really thought through it. And they just kind of, well, this is what I am. And, you know, that's it. Hmm. Uh, just a couple more points on that quickly is um, something that I think has happened in our country specifically is there is a lot of confusion even amongst the different christian sects that are out there there are some christian communities that now say abortion is okay there are some christian communities that now say contraception is okay there are some christian communities that say we should have the redefinition of marriage and when we have all of this even though once again this kind of a red herring thing because it doesn't go back to um, just let's talk about, we don't even have to t- talk about um, the one true God or even the Christian God, just but sim- simply go back to that still doesn't disprove that there is a God. A lot of people will use this excuse that, well, look at all those Christian communities out there that don't even agree on the, a lot of their basic tenets. If there was a God, how come they're all getting it wrong? You know, and that's where I think we have to be very careful because When we look back on Christianity and we look back at our beautiful Catholic faith, the Catholic Church has taught for 2,000 years the exact same morals, the exact same beliefs, and we haven't wavered one bit. On Any of those moral teachings. And so why I say we have to be very careful is because there are definitely um, people out there who um, are calling themselves Christians, but are not putting forth the Christian message. Yeah. They're not putting forth authentic Christianity. And so it's not the fault of Christianity. It's not the fault of Catholicism that there's this belief or non-belief in God. It's the fault of those people who aren't following authentic Christianity and think that they can just make up their own rules. They can make up their own. Everybody can just read this book and decide that abortion is OK for some. Um, abortion is not OK for others. No. And here is where I get into a little bit of um, why I became Catholic in the first place. It really is a very simple question for me. When I go back and I look at the process I went through, the question really boils down to, do I think that God is smart? Well, yeah. I think that when we talk about a drop of water in the ocean, that doesn't even compare to my knowledge compared to God's. I don't know one trillionth of a percent of what God knows. And looking at that, do I think that God is smart enough That when he came down and he became a man, he would leave somebody to help us understand his teachings throughout the centuries? Or do I think that he would not be smart enough and said, well, I'll just leave it up to all of them individually. They'll Mm -hmm. figure it out. Yeah. Free for all. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that, you know, that was part of my religious experience. Part of my experience becoming Catholic is where I came to the realization of taking Jesus seriously. When he said, you are Peter and upon my rock, I will build my church, that Jesus is smart enough to know that we need a CEO here on earth. Not that he's not our CEO, but we need a visible head that when we come to things like this, when we come to the issue of abortion and we have some Christians People who say they're followers of Christ saying it's okay to kill a child in the womb. We need somebody that's able to say, no, the Holy Spirit speaking through me right now says, no, this is a moral that cannot be compromised. The redefinition of marriage. Sorry, if you want to feel that that's okay, but no. And Jesus promised that he would send his spirit that when he ascended, his spirit would come and he would fill them. And so that's why, you know, tying all this back in together, I think that a lot of the different Christian communities that are teaching anti-Christian uh, messages have caused the confusion that have then led people to say, this is ridiculous. All these Christian people say they're followers of Christ, yet they teach different
1: things. How could that be? Yeah, You know? Definitely very problematic. One thing I, I want to make sure, we're, uh, because a lot of people may hear the term agnostic and atheist and think it's the same thing when actually it is not.
2: Correct. Um, agnosticism, then, would be basically somebody who says, I don't know. I don't know if there is a God or not. Now, I can respect an honest agnostic, meaning somebody who says, I don't know, but I'm trying to figure out. What I think is a very, very dangerous—well, not think, I know. What I know is a very dangerous thing to do is for an agnostic, somebody who says, I don't know, is to say, but I'm not going to do anything about it. That, to me, is like saying somebody just called in a bomb threat, but there's a chance that it's not real. So I'm going to sit right where I'm at. I'm not going to take it serious, and we'll just see if the whole thing goes kablooey. That's got to be the worst way to live you know, um, especially with that thought in the back of your mind that maybe there is. And and so there's the big distinction is um, um, an atheist is somebody who says, um, no, I'm sure there's no God. I believe that there is not a God or that there are not gods. And an agnostic would say, "Um, I am just not sure. And like I said, you know, I think there are probably plenty of agnostics out there um, that aren't really atheists. And there might even be atheists who call themselves atheists, but are actually more of an agnostic. But that's the dangerous thing is they need to to make sure that um, if you don't know then you've got to be like okay i need to figure out
1: well and we uh it's rather interesting i love some of the analogies you use as well and one of them was the high jump analogy before uh, when it when it comes to relativism and uh, certainly a great analogy that i'm going to remember to use in future conversations too and just a few minutes before we wrap up here this morning with cody and Cody, uh, as a teacher at TMP, are your students curious about atheism? What uh, what what kind of questions do you get? Do they you feel from the students there?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say there's so much of a curiosity. Um, there, I've had one or two students in the past who were um, vocal proclaimed atheists, um, actually, you know, proclaimed it in class. And it wasn't necessarily a detriment to class. I think it actually added to it because a lot of times um, in those discussions, the kids could see um, maybe things that they hadn't seen before, hear things that they haven't heard before. And um, hopefully, you know, I was able to answer well enough to where they were like, okay. And the reason why I say I don't think there's so much of a curiosity is because, you know, with like different religions... I can see a curiosity about different religions, like why why do they teach what they do? Um, why should we choose Catholicism over others? you know because it's kind of a compare and contrast. With an atheism with an atheistic approach, it's just, and so really, what is there to compare and contrast? Because then I go back to, well, if we want to start reasoning through it, which um, what I've started doing with my uh, seniors is I take them through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And by the way, anybody listening, if you have not read that, I love the book. Now, some of the kids are like, this is really hard to understand. And I would agree. Um, I've read it about five times just, just so I can understand it. But it is a great, great book. And C.S. Lewis does that. He starts from the point of not even acknowledging the one true God, not acknowledging Jesus Christ, but simply starting from a philosophical point of view, going back to creation from nothing and working from there. And um, I think, you know, just in doing that, I've even had um, young people who are maybe more of the agnostic type look at me and go, yeah, you're right. Nothing can't come from nothing. Even though they didn't like sell out and say, okay, now I believe Christianity. Mm -hmm. They were, I I really, um, uh, I'm very proud that they were able to at least, instead of trying to fight tooth and nail to hold a position that is unreasonable, they were able to sit there and say, okay, Lewis is right, you're right. And uh, therefore, that's why I say I don't think there's a whole lot of just curiosity about it is because, you know, it is just kind of one of those things where when you reason through it, kids are kind of like, "Okay, yeah, I get it.
1: Well, very good, Cody. Always great to have you come in. A great topic this morning. And uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking time to share it with us. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Show, Stewarding God's Creation. Did you like this one body show? Then let us know by going to dvmercy.com and click on the one body icon to leave us a message. Also, if you can help this nonprofit station pay its monthly bills, please go to dvmercy.com and click on donate. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes and 88.1 KRTT Great Band. If today day you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. One body, one body, God's creation.